the Missional Life Podcast, inspiring kingdom-minded believers around the world to live the mission of God in their lives. All right, welcome back to the Missional Life Podcast. We are at the National Religious Broadcasters event in Dallas, Texas. We have a chance to connect with Selah. They are a eight-time Gospel Music Association Dove Award winner. They've sold over four million albums, have half a billion streams, but most of all, they are a group that loves Jesus and keeps creating fresh music that moves spirit and soul. Sayla, welcome to the show. Dan, thanks for having us. Yeah. So let's just jump into it. In a microwave culture of fast rises and sometimes even faster falls, how does a group stay together for over 20 years and keep creating music and loving Jesus together? I think um, part of it is we're like a family. You know, originally Todd's sister was in the group, and then um, I'm the new girl, but it's been almost 16 years. Yeah. And um, I attribute a lot of that to being they're easy to get along with. You mm-hmm. know, they're like my brothers. And so um, we've, we've met other bands or toured with other bands that talk about friction or um, even song hogging or things like that, and that's just never... That's just never been a deal with us. Like, we just really love each other. And I think for me coming in as the new girl, there was always um, just a real support for me. How are you? How are you feeling? How are you doing? Is our manager taking care of you? And so they treat me like I'm their younger sister. So, And I'm <clears throat> significantly younger than one of them. <laughs> um, but, you know, they, they take care of me. And especially once I have my son, he's nine now, but just, you know, all the time our manager would call and say, I talked to the guys about this event or that, this, they want to make sure you're okay. How are you doing? What are you going to do with Josiah? And so just to know that they love me like that, Mm. um, makes it really easy to, you know, stay with them for so long. But I think aside from the, the personality that we just really get along, um, I think it's the music too. You know, we just love making beautiful music. We love making encouraging music. And I know when, especially with COVID last year, with not touring very much and not being around them, when we finally are together and are able to sing together, it's like, oh yeah, I forgot how much I love this, you know? And I think that, um, that helps just, just our relationship and the way I always say our hearts are woven together in a really special way that I didn't even expect when I joined the group. Wow. I love how you say the new girl, new kid, new girl on the block. And that's, you know, 16 years ago. That's 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 awesome you know it's amazing you know how how much uh, how are you matters you know so many people just forget some of those just basics of how are you mm-hmm. and like to really genuinely mean it yeah. that's that's huge because we say that in, in society how are you but we don't fully mean it but the, but when you Amy were describing that like there were the ge- there's a genuine how are you from mm-hmm. uh, from your co-musicians here yeah, yeah, well, they've been doing this a lot longer, too, so they, they kind of check in with me to make sure, is this still what you're wanting, especially because I've lived out of state from them for so long, and I've just always valued that taking care of me and, and making me feel like, you know, they really do value my heart and my situation. Like right now, we're in the process of a foster care adoption, and so they've checked in several times already, like, how's it going? Are you going to need time off? Like, you tell us what you need because we want the best for you, and I don't think a lot of groups i don't know that a lot of groups have that and so i'm just it's very special yeah well and it's uh next year for us will be 25 years so this is our 24th year so over two decades but i think part of it too dan like we um 
I think we try to find hope, music that will hopefully be timeless. You know what I mean? Like, like hymns are kind of our bedrock and cornerstone. And then, I mean, we do other songs too, but we always try to look for, and especially with the hymns, the hymns have already lasted centuries, you know? And I think because they were written with such depth, you know, the, and, and I'm not knocking this, I kind of how Nashville works now, you know, writers usually get together in a songwriting room and, hey, let's write a, try to write a hit for radio or whatever. And I mean, that's what makes the music industry run. So that's, that's totally fine. But, you know, mo- the hymns back then, you know, they weren't, they weren't like, hey, we got to write a hit, you know. <laughs> a lot of those hymns came out of deep places of pain so and loss, which I think is a u- universal. Anyone in the world can relate to a song coming from another's heart that just has that hurt and that pain and that ache. And I think that's why those songs have lasted. And, of course, we love those songs, and we're, we're trying to continue those on. Like, nothing makes me happier when uh, a mom will come up to us after a concert and say, thank you for keeping the hymns alive for my children. She's like, our churches don't sing these anymore. They're like, the only way they can, she, a lot of times they'll be like, I, I used to sing these when I was growing up. The only way my children hear hymns anymore are, the, are when you sing them. And that's a, I think that's a huge honor, a huge honor. for If we have any small part in keeping these songs going forward, that's a, that's a great thing. But, but I think we've, we try to find, and then with the newer songs writing, I think we try to always look for quality and depth. And, and, and we love to have fun with songs, too. There's some songs we're just like, this is just so fun, let's do it, you know. But, uh, but I think hopefully that's helped the longevity is we try to have a quality base and a, a true base and a heartfelt base with the music. Wow. I was just trying to think back to, uh, I, I think I think one of the things that's been, as far as longevity goes, we've always uh, chosen songs that meant something to us. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that didn't mean everybody, you know, felt the same way about every song. Yeah. But at least to one or two of us, it was like, we've got to do this. And then being able to trust that, okay. And a lot of times I'm, I'm the one who's like bringing the song at the last minute going, <laughs> we got to do this one, guys. But there's enough trust there to go, okay, he's really passionate about this. Let's do this. There, there was an album, two albums ago, uh, and we were deciding between two songs. And Alan and I, there was a song called Firm Foundation. We didn't really care. I mean, it was okay. It was like, eh, it's a good song. Amy was obsessed with it. Obsessed, obsessed with it. <laughs> <laughs> and we, you know, uh, it, it, several of the songs, we, you know, we had chosen like, hey, let's do these songs. That was like the, she, there had been a couple, but that was the main one that she kept pushing. And it came down to there was a song where theologically everything was good, but there was this one line where we knew, we knew what we were trying to sing if we recorded it, but we knew how people could take it differently mm. if they heard it. And so it's like, okay, do we really want to do this one? And Amy pushed back with Firm Foundation, a separate song. Like, I really still feel like we need to do this one. And we were like, well, we've, we've kind of decided we're not going to do it. And she's like, well, I don't agree. And then we I talked about texted, it. I texted, I disagree. <laughs> and then reached out behind their backs to the A&R guy who I knew loved her foundation. Was yes, like, how can we did. convince the guys? And he's like, you want to fight for that song? And I was like, yes. And he was like, all right, let's do it. So we, he found me a different demo. He found me. And, and then I yeah, she texted sent the boys me. not to pressure you, but. And then it was like a novel <laughs> of how <laughs> I feel about this song. But she sent that demo. And when I heard that one, it was like, oh, okay, I got it. It clicked. And then we finally came to the decision of like, look, we're not sure about this one. She believes in this one, regardless of what we think. Let's just let's go with it. It ended up being the title track. Y'all. And so she called it. 
so yeah. good. So I think I th- it, it compromise is a huge thing, yes. but it's compromise in the context of trust mm. that you're, you're not just compromising like, Oh, let's just compromise our, our values or let's compromise this. It's, you know what? I, I'm not necessarily feeling that song, but you believe it enough to where when I just want to make sure when we are in front of people that they know it's coming from our gut it's coming from our heart and so if it's coming from yours then i can eventually grow into it we another one um you deliver me you didn't want to do that one. i didn't amy like that I, song yeah amy and i were on that one and one of my best friends wrote it and he'd written it years ago and that ended that that ended up being a title track for an album and a popular <laughs> song for us and yeah todd was like i just don't He's know like, if i get this it. one we we're like this is we're like this is tailor-made you know yeah. then we finished a project we're all done and by the time you finish you know 10 12 songs you're kind of wiped out from recording it my wife angie who's an author and a speaker um she's written a lot of women's bible studies and uh including one called seamless and she was out speaking and had really been depressed didn't want to go speak and uh a friend of ours jenny lee riddle who wrote revelation song and she's written many sailor songs she was leading worship and as soon as she came into Angie's room she just prayed over her and uh, said you know you've got to get up there you've got to share Angie speaks comes off the stage Jenny and her team go up and lead worship and they do this song called I've got I got saved and it's just I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord I'm restored and made right he got a hold of my life I've got Jesus how could I want more and it literally took Angie out of her depression and she the next day she almost missed her flight so she could listen to that song one more time and record it on her camera and then the next thing I know I've got 20 texts and 20 phone calls and I'm like who died like, what's going on? Are you okay? And she's like, you've got to record this song. I'm like, babe, we're done. Like, we're, we're tired. We're excited. You've got to record this song. I'm not going to play it for you until I get home. And she literally landed, and she made me watch the video. And I don't have hair, but if I did, it stood. Uh, like, I knew immediately we needed to record that song. So then I harassed them about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he does this. He's done <laughs> this before. And I just, uh, we're like, yeah, sure, do it. I mean, we didn't even hear it. He had already started, I think, d- working on it in the studio, and Alan and I hadn't even heard it yet, but it was like, clearly we're not going to stop this. We'd be at sound checks, and you're like waiting for everything to start, and he's going, I'm undone. <laughs> and we're like, oh, he's over there singing it again. Let him do it. So, yeah, it was like, we trust that, you know, and, and we love Angie. We've known her forever, and um, and so we, we trusted, and we love Jenny Lee Riddle. So it was like, well, yeah, obviously he's going to do it. And then I finally listened to, like, the the demo he made of it on my way to the studio and I was like why did I wait so long to listen to this song it's so good but it happens sometimes you just get like oh well then we went on a Christmas tour sorry I know I'm talking a bunch but we went on a Christmas tour and we sang the second show the crowd was completely dead Mm. like you know there's sometimes you'll pour your guts out I'm sure for preachers too you know it's like you're preaching and you're speaking and it just looks like, you know, zombie zone, you know. And, mm-hmm. and so we, we sang a new song from our new album that did not connect whatsoever. And they just sat there staring at us. But we wanted to sing uh, I Got Saved because Jenny was going to be there. She had moved to Indiana. And so uh, she ended up not being able to show up because there was a snowstorm. Uh, so the song, songwriter couldn't be there. But we started singing it. And I kid you not, by the f- time we hit the chorus, people were standing. They were worshiping. They were praising. That was our last Christmas show of that year. 
Was it was Christmas. No way. Because we went backstage and I, we were, um, it was like a buzz. We were just, there was a buzz of like, that song is special. Oh my goodness, that song is special. Well, because the record label, remember, they, the song we had, had sung from the new album is called Unbreakable. And we love that song. It's a fun song. The record label was wanting us to really, that was the one to push. You know, that was the one. So we were trying it and crowds just weren't. We were like, and so we had sung that one, like Todd said, Deadsville. And then we were like, okay, Jenny's going to be here. Let's do I Got Saved. That's the one. I remember after the concert, we were like, we're like we've got to call the record label and tell them yeah. they've got to change the song. I mean, we're like, I mean, we kept the song on the album, but we're like, they've, they've got to change their focus because, you know, they're not out here knowing what songs are connecting or not. You know, you're the artist. You're the one, you know, the label may say, well, this one is what radio wants. We think we can get this traction for you. But when you're out there on the stage with the audience, you know what's connecting with them and not. And you have to, I think maybe that's been part of our longevity too, is we've not been afraid to, we've never done anything for radio trends. Like, I mean, if they pick one up, great. But it's like, we want to go for that connection. So we, I remember we were like, we've got to call the label tomorrow yeah. and say, hey, it was right before we've got to move, down. we've got to shift this over to I Got Saved because the other song just isn't, and it's a fun song. I like the song, but it's like, it's not connecting with people live, you know. Wow, I love that. It's just such a, an amazing recipe. You know, you start with kind of that care, concern, love, and then, you know, move into communication. And then openness and honesty, you know, pushing back on, you know, on each other. And then I love how it just, you don't follow the trend. You follow the heart. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, and that in itself, you know, it's like those are the ingredients right there. Yeah, and I just wanted to add to a common theme and a a verse that kept coming to my mind as you're talking was submit to one another. Mm, And I just, I hear that theme as you guys are sharing, you know, man, we we didn't really feel it, but we trusted they, you know, God speaks to them. He puts things on their hearts. So we're going to go with it no matter how we're feeling right now, you know, and just that, that loving submission to each other and that respect that each of you has, you know, that you go for those songs and then God uses that to bless people mm. at the end. And that's amazing. No, I totally agree. I, and I think, you know, with, with, with submission, humility, which is a very hard thing to, you know, to live by, but there's so much power in humility. You know, if, mm. if you walk in it and, and if my wife were here, she'd probably say, ah, yeah, you need to work on that one. <laughs> but I mean, but there, there is a, uh, there is something about walking in anything with humility, you know, whether it's before the Lord or whether it's in relationships within our marriages, with people that we work with and being able, that's a, I I didn't even think about that until you, you brought that up, but to be able to, for, for one of us, let's say we're not really loving a particular song, but that's going to represent us, but being able to trust the other person and go, yeah, okay, we'll do it because you believe in it. You know, hopefully all three of us love it. But. I was going to say, even in little things, today um, we were recording, the, for Daystar, we were doing, you know, pre-recording a video, and we did two takes of a brand new song, and we were like... A song we've never, never sung, sung live. live. Yeah, like brand never. Literally recorded so it let's do it on a ago. TV show, because that's a good yeah, idea. Perfect. And we, Todd and I, we, oh, it's, it's very high, and... Oh, we finished the second one. I was like, oh, I kind of messed up here. I messed up there. And the audio guys were like, "It's that's all fixable. And so Todd and I were like, great. Whew. And Alan's like, you know what? No. He said, "This was it excellent? And we're like, well, it's fixable. <laughs> and he's like, this isn't going to be internationally viewed. And this is like the debut of this song. 
we really should make sure it's excellent. And we were like, oh man, all right, we'll do it one more time. And then we like nailed all the that things the that take. we missed. It was the take. Wow. And so we were like, thank you, Alan, for pushing us when we were just tired and kind of wanted to quit early. Yeah. And he was like, no, no, you can it's do one be more great. because we're going to do mm -hmm. it excellent. And so I think too, having that um, striving for excellence mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I've, I've, raised in a charismatic church and i think a lot of that personality type is kind of like well we'll we'll just let spirit lead and see what happens but as a musician who has been trained there is an excellence to everything we want to do and i think combining that yes yes we want the spirit to lead and there have been times where we have thrown a set list out the window yep. and been like right now we're going to just sing hymns a cappella with everyone because that's what this you know spirit is saying to do um but there we want to be excellent as well we want to mm -hmm. everything that we offer up to the lord and and present to people as you know our gifting is we want to make sure that we're doing the best that we can and that we're making it um the best version of of what we're you know offering and so i think too just making sure that when we have a project we've thrown songs off records before and i it just didn't we have a song that was supposed to be on is it firm foundation i love the song it's just not made the record um what's that easter one i can't even think of the name of it right now because it just didn't just wasn't excellent and so it's mm -hmm. like well maybe we'll go back and revisit it and figure out what's missing mm -hmm. and add a choir or something or maybe it's just not meant to be and that's okay and so i think too that's really important um in in us being around a long time is when you hear a sailor project or you we we release a song you know not only have we poured our heart and soul into it we've listened to it way too many times that I care to <laughs> I'm like oh that sounds like a great mix and they'll send another mix I'm like that sounds exactly the same to me but the boys have the nuance in this ear then and so yeah we just we want it to be excellent yeah. I love it just kind of above all of those other things kind of this cloak or this mantle of excellence about over and all I think of Daniel you know that he had a spirit of excellence in the Bible and he did that and that was part of what you know and Joseph too you know like they had these spirits of excellence and that's what caused them that longevity and that caused them to have that sort of the positioning that they did and I you know we can see that even modeled in what you guys are doing as well so wow awesome awesome so um, also just going back to last year so you touched on it a little bit earlier, talking about the pandemic. Um, yeah. How has that affected how you guys write, perform, and share your music and connect with the audience? If I don't ever have to do another Facebook Live concert again, <laughs> I will be super thrilled. Um, because there's nothing like interaction with people. You know, there's just, mm. it, it's we're created to be around each other to be in community you know to um uh to be able to see each other's faces and you know that wasn't possible you know we we our last concert was maybe end of february 2020 early march, early march. march 8th. and then everything shut down on march thir friday here. the 13th i remember we were here. it was march 8th in dallas yeah because i remember visiting going to visit my family for a day and then flew home and then Mm -hmm. and then everything shut down on the 13th yeah and, and i i went on a trip with my twins uh they were juniors that year and uh their school does a thing called a week without walls so it's a, a week where you go outside of the school walls so some kids go on mission trips some kids do sporting things some kids did like a civil rights trip where they visited different museums and you also went to broadway yeah my kids did broadway <laughs> <laughs> so we yeah we were not the spiritual ones we we're like 
let's go see Wicked. <laughs> and so, so we literally were in uh, New York when we'd finished our, we just finished Wicked and found, got the text from our manager, Marcus, hey, Trump's about to shut down Europe, except for Great Britain. And uh, we had kids who were all, all over there. We had kids who got stuck in Suriname, which is in South America. Mm. We ended up having to cancel our trip and go back home. And we, then we didn't have concerts. Our first concert was uh, in September. So it was six months later. And I, uh, it was an outdoor mm -hmm. event that a church had been doing every Sunday night and doing baptisms about 45 minutes away from Nashville. And I think when we sang, you know, and this was kind of a thing that was going, but 30 to 40 people would be baptized every night. And there were like three or 4,000 people there. They were all spread out, but I cried. I, I teared up just because I, it was like, I forgot what it was like to be around people, you know, and, well, and to and hear sing them, them singing. That's, that's what got me. Oh. Cause you could, you know, cause you know, we do again, a lot of the hymns or choruses and we have, we usually always have the crowd sing and here had been six months, six months plus without that interaction. And then, inviting them to sing and then we we pull off the mic and then you just hear these voices raised and it's like we'd all been missing that you know and that really got me wow but to finish i think your the whole question was kind oh of just more the pandemic affect? well you had quite a change too just your year yeah you should oh, tell your yeah, story i mean well, that really doesn't like pertain to like us on stage or anything. But no, but I think um, what I, so here's here's the thing in relation to COVID. Where did you see just the carpet ripped out from underneath <laughs> yeah. you, mm -hmm. and then how God brought you through? Because I think we're all still going through that. Of yeah. mm -hmm. what what's the future going to look like? In in so many different ways. But yeah, just sharing your yeah. guys' story. So last year. Um, I remember January was already really hard for us. And I was like, it's been a long year, y'all. It's been four weeks. <laughs> and I even made that joke. <laughs> it's been a hard year. And then in February, my husband's company shut down with, they only wanted him to have um, same day notice. So they told his supervisor, don't tell anyone. And then when their severance package arrives at their door, you can let them know that the company's shutting down. Oh my goodness. But they're friends. So he called them on Tuesday or Wednesday and said, this is happening Friday. You won't have job after Friday. And um, the severance check was less than one paycheck. And he got paid twice a month. So it wasn't even a full month's pay. At severance, he'd been there 10 years. They just, like, decided to shut a portion of the company down and, like, mm, well, they'll figure it out. And so that was February. And so we were already kind of freaking out. And then in March, everything shut down. And suddenly we were without two incomes because – they didn't have any shows. They all got canceled. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, we lived in California, so we had a California mortgage. We had purchased my grandparents' home from my parents, who there had been a loan on it that they just, they were ready to retire to their cabin. And um, we'd renovated it, so we had this, like, home equity loan on it. And it just, all of a sudden, we were just, like, every penny that we were making was to make sure we could keep our house. And I mean, I was working at Starbucks, you know, to literally make wow. ends meet, getting up at four in the morning, three in the morning, um, working there, working a second job, coming home, doing distance learning with my son, who is not an at home studious person at all. He really requires like a teacher who's not me. Um, <laughs> and and he's always been that way with adult, you know, like he would be just so great for any, you know, babysitter. And then I'd come home and, you know, terrible. And so he's just... Um, not structured and maybe that's my fault I don't know but it was awful I mean it was awful every day I was crying this is terrible and my mom had been with us and my dad and they have a cabin in 
Tahoe, but Lake Tahoe had said, do not come here. We don't have a hospital. So if you come and bring COVID, it's going to be disastrous. So we're like every other day trying to convince, because my dad, he can't just sit around. So he'd be like, oh, I'm going to go up to the lake. So they were like, no, dad, don't, don't go. And so everybody was in my house for like seven months, like all these people living with us and the dogs and my parents' dog. And it just was a lot. It was mayhem, you know, and my sister already was living with us. And so I was just to say I was overwhelmed or stressed would be an understatement. Wow. And I would find myself like I have this in the renovation. The one thing I made sure we had was the spa bathroom for me with this like tub mm. that I'd waited so many years to get this tub. And I would be like, I'm going to take a bath. And I'd be in there for like until it was cold, just crying and wow. heartbroken and hiding from everybody and so it was like okay everyone else is talking about how lonely they are and I just want to be alone for a minute <laughs> <laughs> because I have this house full of people and wow. so um I remember one night just going outside and sitting on a bench in the yard and crying and it was like April it wasn't even like three months in it was like three weeks in and I was like I can't I can't do this I can't be a teacher and be a mom and do all the groceries and try to figure this out like it was so much and so um, yeah, it was a few, it was a hard summer and, and my husband got a job and, and the money was great. So it was like, okay, we're good. Our mortgage is fine, but it still, I think made us realize like, do we really want to be house poor our whole lives just to keep this, you know, home, this four walls and brick and mortar. And, mm. and then in July, my husband said, you know, we haven't been to see my family, his family's all in Alabama and we just hadn't been to see them in a really long time. And so, um, years, many years and they couldn't come out. And so he said, I, I just really, I just want to go see my family. And his mother had passed a long time ago when we were first married. And so all he really has is his dad and his sister and, and their spouses. And he's got a niece and nephew. And so, um, we flew out in July just to kind of get away. And while we were there, I just kept seeing him be so happy with his sister. And so, um, he just kept saying all the time, like, gosh, I miss, my, I miss this. I miss being here. I miss being able to visit. We're so far away in California. It's just a hard trip to make with three people. And I just started to think, well, gosh, maybe we're supposed to be closer, you know, not necessarily Alabama, but maybe we're supposed to live somewhere in between where I can visit my family and he can visit his, but where we're also like our own little entity without everybody being on top of us all the time. And that's really hard for me because I'm from a very close knit family. There's six brothers and sisters and there's seven of us total. And my sisters and I are, we're just very, very close. And so like no one knocks, you know, like my house, no one knocks, they just walk in. And so, but I was starting to feel these things. And so I jokingly said in the car, well, gosh, what does Zillow say about, you know, Texas? Maybe it's in the middle. And, you know, our whole marriage, he would say things like, I'll never live in Texas. It's too hot. It's too hot. He's from the South. He's from Alabama. And he lived in Georgia. He went to college and he's like, it's too hot in the South. And so he loves California weather, except when the state is on fire. And so, you know, um, which also happened during quarantine. So then my child couldn't even go out to play and we were just trapped inside our house. And so, um, I said it jokingly, and he looked over with the most intense, serious look on his face and said, I could get on board with Texas. And then suddenly we were having a, a totally different conversation that I never expected to have in my life 
about moving to Texas. And by the time we came home from our trip, we were like, hey guys, uh, we're moving to Texas. And I just love the San Antonio area. I had some friends there. There's a church there that I love to visit whenever I was in town visiting her. And so I was like, well, maybe God's calling us to this church. I don't know, but let's look at the San Antonio area. And that was in the first week of August. We came home like August 3rd or 4th from our trip. And by Labor Day, we were in San Antonio looking for houses and putting our house up for sale. And we hadn't even put it up for sale yet. And we found a house that was ready wow. to move into. And we were like, eh. but we just. Sorry, what was the deal maker for the house? Oh, so, okay. I'd looked at houses in San Antonio and it had beautiful yards, but they were like older houses. And my husband's like, we spent two years renovating this California house. I don't want to hammer one more nail. So the next day we spent the day looking at brand new houses, um, which in California you can't do because they're millions of dollars. And so I was like, well, these are in our price range. And so we started looking and the, fr the further out we got, the bigger the house got for the price check. And so I had told Jake, I don't want to live in the middle of nowhere, but we found this house. It was kind of out in the cow, I mean, the cow like corn fields, but it had this huge yard and it had a big tub, which I had been missing, right? I need a tub. And we were just like, I don't know. And the little realtor came in. He goes, oh, by the way, school bus comes to the cul-de-sac, picks kids up, takes them to school. Nice. And we were like, done. <laughs> Buy. Sold. Where, who do I write the check to? And so we did, we, we put a deposit on the house. I mean, we just, it just, everything felt right. And I think too, like every time we looked at each other, it was like, we knew my sister went in first and she was like, the minute I saw the backyard, I was, she's like, this is where I'm, cause she's moved, she moved with us. This is where we're going to live. She just knew that that's what we would want. And so we came home after Labor Day and I started biting my nails. Did we do the right thing? We put this money down on the house. Now we have like 45 days to sell ours. And oh my gosh. And then everything caught on fire and it was like we couldn't go outside again. I was getting nosebleeds every day and it was kind of like this little message from the Lord like, you need to leave. <laughs> and I was like, we need to leave. And it was heartbreaking telling my parents I was going to sell that house that they were living in for 15 years. That was my grandparents. Like that was hard for me. But at the same time, we just knew that we were supposed to leave. And Two weeks after we made this decision, two weeks after we kind of announced to everybody that we were leaving, we were talking one night and my husband said, I have to tell you something. I was like, oh, we don't ever have those kind of conversations. What do you need to tell me? And he said, um, back in February when I lost my job and I started looking, I started looking in Texas. There was a lot of tech opportunity there. He said, do you remember I asked you one, he asked me one time in March, hey, if we had to move out of state, for me to find a job, is that something that you would be okay with? And I was like, we have to do what we have to do, babe. Like, and he was like, well, there's this lady in Dallas that's kind of, you know, calling. And I said, we have to do what we have to do. But I never in a million years thought he was serious about it. But at the time, because he's a, he's a coder. I don't know what his exact job title is. Something, something nerdy. Um, and he <laughs> said, um, at the time, in February, he knew that we were supposed to move to Texas. He said God was already leading his heart that way wow. but he didn't want to ask me to leave everybody mm -hmm. and he thought lord we just got this so we've only been in the house two years i can't ask her to leave her family i can't ask her to sell this house that means so much to her and so he just began to pray god if it's your will you'll change her heart if it's your will she'll make this decision and we'll come you know it won't be me making it for her me making her feel like she has to make it so imagine his surprise when one day we're in the car in alabama and i turn and go let's move to texas and he said it was just like this instant confirmation of what God had been doing in his heart for months wow. 
secretly and silently waiting for me to be where God was leading him already. And I just love, I'm so grateful for my husband that he listens to the Lord that way and that he knew me well enough to know I'm not going to try to make her do something like this because obviously there would be resentment there if, if he made me feel like I had to. And so, um, it's just, it's, we were by November 1st, we were on the road. We actually stayed through the election and then on the morning after the election, we were in trucks driving to Texas and to just look back at all the different things that had to happen for us to get there. And then when I got there, it was hard. I mean, my son was immediately thriving. He was in school. There was kids in our cul-de-sac. They play together every day. Like, you know, back in the 80s when I was a kid and you're hot and sweaty and stinky from being outside all day. Like, that's my son. I love it. Um, and my husband's so happy because he's introverted. He loves being in the middle of the cornfields. Um, and there were days where I would just be like, I'm so sad and lonely for my people. Like my sisters, she didn't move right away with us. And so I didn't have anyone physically there. And I remember one day I texted a friend cause she asked how I was doing. And I was like, I am sad and lonely today. And I don't know why God moved me out here to the middle of nowhere. Well, we had just started the foster care process in California and had to quit when we decided to move. And so we were, I was already gathering paperwork to start it in Texas and my friend was like, well, God knew, God had to move you there because that's where your child is. And just to think, okay, so God loves me enough that he knows that the, I call it my little nugget because we don't know yet. We haven't had a placement yet. But whatever little boy or girl that we're supposed to adopt, he knew. And this is how I've told my son when he has sad days. God knew when that child was in their mother's womb that she would not be able to raise them forever. And he knew that we were going to. And so he had to upheave us out of California and what we thought was easy that became very hard and pull us out of that comfort zone and drop us in the middle of the cornfields because in those cornfields somewhere is a child who needs us to be their mommy and daddy and brother. And like, think about how much God loves them and God loves us that he did all of that during one of the hardest years of our life. And so that's how I have to look at it when I have days where I'm like, I don't know what you're doing, Lord. You know what you're doing, Lord, and you know where I have to be to fulfill the purpose that you created me for. And so I will go there. And now I feel like, well, gosh, I've done the hardest thing. If he told us to sell our house and move to Africa, I'm like, well, I guess we'd have to do that. You know, when you kind of leave everything you love and you are able to let go of it and grieve it and then get into a place of acceptance, kind of like anything else is possible. So I'm like, not that I want to go move, you know, to another country and be a missionary, but if that's what God says to do, I feel like I've done the hard part. So now I'm like, yeah, sell the house. It's just a house, right? So yeah, anyways, that was my 2020. And, and now we're we're closer to a placement probably this fall. We got a, a million pages of paperwork to do. So, and some classes still, but I'm excited. That's amazing. I think, you know, again, to look at, this group from the outside and just, you know, ask that question, well, how do you guys stay to gr- together? Um, you know, we talked about that earlier, but we just kind of keep on stacking on that is that you, you guys know each other's stories and you, you, Hey, Todd says to Amy, Hey, you need to tell this part. And, and, and you, you know, each other's stories, you know, what's going on in each other's lives. And that's, that's a recipe for success in marriage. That's a re- recipe for success in, mu- in music. That's a recipe for success in, in ministry and business is you need to know each other's stories. You need to know what's going on in each other's lives. Because if you don't, it just, it, you know, people can ha- be having their entire lives fall apart. You know, house, 
this, that, and you have no idea because there's not communication. There's not, you don't know each other's story. And that's, that's so important. And I love how you guys can kind of fill in and you kind of deflect and, Hey, you should share this. And, um, that's important. Mm -hmm. And you guys have that, that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to say it, you know, that intimacy and that's important, you know, um, because when, when there's not an intimacy, where there's not communication, um, man, things can fall apart really, really, really fast. Yeah, I think there's, you know, as you were saying that, I think there's stability in being known. Mm. And what I mean by that is it, it doesn't mean you can fix the other person's problems, but just the fact that you know what they're going through or what they're dealing with or that you're asking so they know and they feel loved and they, they know that they're heard and they know that you're walking through things with them so they're not alone. I, th- I think that is something that God uses as that person has got to, they have to deal with or walk through whatever they're, you know, they're, work- they're, they're working through. Like we didn't help Amy move, you know, we didn't help her pack up or deal with you know, the, the loneliness in Texas, you know, but still she knew, she knows we love her. Mm-hmm. She knows that we're here for her and for her family and, and vice versa. I mean, like if anything happens, you know, we've had a lot of tragedy that's happened in our, uh, family would be for me and my wife. And these two are two of the first people I would call to let them know what's going on or, Hey, what do we need to do, Todd? Or how are you doing? I mean, there's, there is, when you're when you're known there is a, a piece there to be able to walk through whatever things you have to go through absolutely knowing being known and sticking with each other mm-hmm. sticking with each other and I, and i would add to it let's just stack a little bit more being willing to do whatever god tells you to do and you know we heard amy say mm. if if god tells me to go to africa and do that I'm like i'll you know, we'll do it and, and I think that same heart is, you know, with all of you. And, you know, and also, again, it goes back to that transparency, not doing something that you know is not something that you should be doing. Like when, when you were being pushed to do uh, a, a music song that you didn't think was going to be. So it's knowing and, and hearing the will of God, knowing in your heart what God's doing and that obedience factor. And I love that. I love how you guys exemplify that within, within your group in, and individually. So you guys have, you know, been through a lot together. Uh, and, you know, even though you're the, the new kid on the block, Amy, 16 <laughs> years uh, in. Um, but where are you going together as well? I know you had a new project in 2020, uh, Step Into My Story. And, and so, and that came out of, you know, COVID and, and things like that. But you also have some new things you're, you're working on as well. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so if I can recap on stepping into my story real quickly, the reason why I think it's so powerful, again, as we're talking about where God is going to take you, there's this young man, grows up in a 12-foot by 6-foot one-room home, like just one room. He and his sister slept on the bed. His mom and dad slept on the floor. He's from Calcutta, India. Has this dream, even as a little boy, to be in music. Wants Mm -hmm. to be in music, but very few opportunities goes through graduates from high school eventually has enough money to buy a plane ticket to come to college goes to asbury in kentucky uh, gets a degree from there goes through um, hitchhiking to nashville and uh, riding his motorbike in the rain to nashville two things i wouldn't recommend but Mm -hmm. um, 
starts interning, starts working in the studio, eventually starts road managing, eventually starts road managing for Sela, and eventually becomes our manager, and wow. that's Marcus Rickson. Wow. And he was a sponsored child for 14 years through One Child Ministries. Wow. So someone, a couple from Memphis came to a concert. They gave that pitch that everyone's probably tired of hearing about sponsor a child, sponsor a child. Well, that child was Marcus. Amazing. And that helped put him through school, that helped feed him, that helped give him all of these opportunities to be able to get to the point where he could move to Nashville. Uh, fast forward two weeks ago, I think, we were in the Dominican Republic because Sela works with one child. And Marcus came with us and we all met our sponsored children. So here's Marcus, the sponsored child, getting to meet his sponsored child. And so again, so Step Into My Story was written, that was, I wrote that with a couple friends and Marcus, but it was inspired by his story. Just seeing how God was always working, even when he had incredible poverty, even when he was, they were the only believers in the neighborhood where they grew up in and almost killed several times. Um, just one mountain or valley after another, and yet God is still consistently there. Jesus is walking with him, carrying him through. And so that's what inspired that song. Uh, and then we, uh, I grew up in Congo and uh, lived there for eight years, and my parents have been missionaries there for a little over 40 years, and my grandparents were missionaries there. And uh, we've always done songs from Congo, so whether it's in Lingala or Kituba, or if I have to write a Kituba version of an English song, we've, we've just always done that. And so we had this idea of what if we recorded songs, for, uh, let, me, let me start here, How Great Thou Art. Most people probably think that's a song from the States or from Great Britain, but it's actually a Swedish melody and lyric and it was translated into Russian, and so that's where it became well, more well-known. Uh, World War I takes place, and soldiers start singing it in the trenches. Eventually there's a missionary, a British missionary, who hears it, translates it into English, writes two new verses, which are the verses that we sing. And then George Beverly Shea, who was Billy Graham's worship leader, heard it and sang it and made it famous around the world. And so here's this song that was a Swedish song that probably would have always just been there, but what a gift that song has been to the world. And so what if we could find songs from different countries that are in different languages, do English translations of them, and introduce them to the English-speaking world, to the church in the West, you know, because as, the, as, as a body, we are the universal church. Amen. It is one church under Jesus Christ. And so the album is, it's not really an album, we're actually gonna do singles, uh, just streaming, and then eventually we'll make an EP or an album, it's the first time we're doing this, but the first single will be called One Name, mm. and that will also be the, the main theme of the project, that it's one name, it's one church under one God under Jesus Christ. And that song's from India, and it's just an awesome song. We love it. Yeah, yeah there's Brazil, uh, France, well, Holland. And the, the boys really spearheaded this project, and because I don't live in Nashville, I'm not always, like, at the meetings or whatever. And, and I knew we were doing a world worship project, and I knew they were collecting songs. And they sent all these demos in all these different languages, and I thought, oh, no. 
how am I supposed to learn all these songs? Like, I no one told me we're doing the English version of them. And I honestly, I was like, no one's going to buy this record, y'all. It's not in English. No one. And I was so stressed out. And then we finally had an event together in, was it March or February? No, it was recently. It was yeah. like April because I was coming to record. And I was like, y'all, I don't know how I'm supposed to learn this. And they were like, we're singing English. Ah. It was such a relief. Because I really, I well, I thought we have Marcus from Calcutta. He can help us with the Indian song, but who's going to help us with the one from Holland? And so, yeah, it was it was an, a nice relief to know that. Uh, you would not want to hear Sayla <laughs> singing in Swedish. Right? That's just not. <laughs> oh, that's not a good do. thing. Love it. But it is powerful. I think it is. It's it's such a testament to God's creation of music and how powerful it is that there are certain songs we could hear and we didn't know what they were yeah. saying, mm. but we were so moved Wasn't by. It Oh, the one from Indonesia. It's called. Uh, you didn't even know. Yep. Yeah. Sunga Inda. Sunga Inda, which means so beautiful, and it was amazing. Like just when I first started listening to the demo, and I was like, okay, I can't understand the words, but boy, it just it pierced my soul, pierced my heart, and you could tell even from the singer. It's like, it's like this is beautiful and this is honoring, and then yeah. So it's been great to dive into those things. Wow, I love that. We we've had the opportunity to visit. Uh, a couple of children that we've sponsored in the past through in Guatemala. And it's just that, that it's just amazing, you know, just see where they live and just the dynamics in their family. And, and uh, it's just a powerful thing. And, and I remember where we used to live, they, they one Sunday per, per year, they would do this one church, one God, they all put sackcloths over their, their church's signs. And it just said one church, one God. And I just, you know, when you guys were saying that, you know, with this new, this upcoming album, just, this, you know, what you can hear the spirit. I mean, you just feel the spirit. You know, we don't maybe understand something, but we, as Christians, we have that spirit, and we, we can discern that. And I think that's just absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. How can people find out more about uh, Sela, this upcoming project, your upcoming, you know, places that you're going to be playing now that you can come out of Facebook Lives and, and go to places? Where can people go to find out more about this? Yeah, well, I, I mean, we stream on every platform. So whatever platform you listen to, I would just specifically find Sela and either follow us or add us, depending on if it's Apple Music or Spotify or Pandora. I know there's a lot of people that listen to Pandora. Yep. Uh, YouTube, you can subscribe there and ring the bell and smash that button. Uh, but you can also, uh, SelaOnline.com is our website. Uh, Facebook, we're on there quite a bit. Uh, uh, Instagram, Instagram, Twitter, Twitter we're just, all, yeah, we're all there. So yeah, if you search them, you'll you'll find us they there. Can, they can find you anywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely, absolutely. What a blessing, you guys. Um, Jesus shines in you. Oh, thank you. So keep shining, keep doing what you're you're doing, and uh, we're just excited to see how he c- continues to use you and just continues to be a testament. You guys continue to be a, cont- a testament of just faithfulness and just consistency and you know, doing one day at a time, trusting God for each step of the way and for each next project. So thank you. Blessings on you. 